Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Today, Doug Stoffer continues his look at the pre-tribulation rapture, and Ministry President Dr. Kenneth Hill examines an important question about God. My friends, today as we begin our time together, I want to encourage you to subscribe to the Prophecy in the News magazine. With your subscription, you get a print and online version of the magazine and access to our online streaming platform, FaithNet TV. Call today and subscribe to the Prophecy in the News magazine, 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144, or go to our website, swrc.com. Now, let's go into the studio and continue to learn from Doug Stoffer about what the Bible says concerning the pre-tribulation rapture. Each day we see more and more signs that point to the soon return of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to the rapture of the church. Now, let me just say this. I'm only looking forward to it because I believe with all my heart that it could happen at any moment. If I didn't believe that, if I didn't have an expectation that the Lord is going to snatch us away in the twinkling of an eye, I wouldn't be looking forward to it. I look forward to the rapture because I know it's going to happen. I'm sure that Jesus Christ is coming than I am of anything else in this life, and I hope you are as well. Joining me again today on The Watchman on the Wall to talk about our blessed hope and last day's events is Pastor Doug Stauffer. Doug has produced a fantastic DVD about the end times titled In the Last Days, and I'm excited to have him back with us once again. Pastor Doug, welcome back to The Watchman on the Wall. Oh, I am certainly looking forward to today's program with you, James. You are an excellent interviewer, and I wish we had like 10 hours to talk, but we'll hit it as quick as we can. Well, before we ended our program yesterday, we were talking about Matthew 24. We kind of ran out of time, so I want to go back and revisit Matthew 24 for just a few minutes. In that passage, the Lord gives us some signs to expect before the tribulation, and you were telling me yesterday that Matthew 24 is not a rapture passage. Would you pick that up again? Sure. I mean, if you go into Matthew chapter 24, I always tell people you got to start in chapter 23. In chapter 23, it talks about, in verse 36, says, all these things shall come upon this generation. So everything in Matthew 23 will come upon this generation. Now, you have to define generation. Some say, well, it's a 40-year period. That's not true. He says, generation of vipers. He says, a wicked and adulterous generation. It's actually similar characteristics, not a period of time. So all these things are going to come upon this generation, the wicked and adulterous generation, and that's what they don't understand. Then it goes down into chapter 24, and, you know, the apostles are just bewildered. You know, he says, you're not going to see me until henceforth you say, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. And they're just like, what are you talking about? You're standing right here. Look at the buildings. And, you know, they squirrel off into the buildings, and they start talking about the buildings, and he says, listen, all this is going to be destroyed. Focus, focus, focus. And then in verse 3, they get up in the Mount of Olives, and they revert back to what they were discussing in chapter 23 of Matthew, and that is the second coming. That's why people get so confused. They say, well, boy, everything was destroyed in 70 A.D. That must have been the fulfillment. No, they're confused because you have to look at it in context and realize that that discussion of the temple has nothing to do 
with the second coming of Jesus Christ. So the signs Jesus spoke of in Matthew 24 are signs leading up to the tribulation period, to the time of Jacob's trouble, to Daniel's 70th week. He said that they would be like birth pains, meaning they would increase in frequency and intensity. So are we seeing the beginning of the birth pains today? We could be. I mean, our big sign is in the last days, perilous times shall come. Men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, ever learning, never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. That is our signs during this time. And we see that fulfillment increasingly as the degradation of societies takes place. What we're looking at in Matthew 24 is it does talk about wars and rumors of wars. It talks about famines, pestilence, earthquakes. These are the beginning of sorrows. So you could say that those things are precursors even now. We don't know what's going to happen with inflation, with food shortages. Will there be famines and pestilences before we're raptured out? I have no reason to believe that they will not. We just know that after the rapture, those things will be multiplied, but it's not going to turn overnight. In other words, if we have famines and then the church is raptured out, what do you think is going to happen? The famines are going to continue. The pestilence is going to continue, earthquakes and so on. So all of those things are happening now, but they will be compounded even worse in the future. If we're in the beginning of these birth pains and those are signs of the coming tribulation, doesn't that get you excited that the rapture could happen at any moment? And it does. Like I said, I tell people to look for Jesus every day. I don't know how bad things are going to get before we're raptured out, but I want people to understand, listen, you're not promised some escapist doctrine. The rapture is not an escapist doctrine. What it is is a reality that you need to be looking for Jesus and that he's coming back. What will it be like when he comes back? Well, they're going to be falling away first. There's going to be people that are going to turn from him. These are believers that no longer stand for the truth, no longer maybe even proclaim the gospel. They're tired. They're weary and well-doing. They've sort of given up. And, you know, maybe they're the scoffers that said, you know, you guys have been saying he's coming back for 40, 50, 60 years, and, and he hasn't come back yet. I always tell people, look, what about the day that you give up looking for Jesus? He comes back that day. What will that be like? Mm. And I try to encourage people with that, that, listen, you don't need to give up. He's coming. He promised it. I know it. I'm looking for him. Hey, I'm excited about living in these days. So the church will be raptured before the tribulation. What will be happening to the church while the tribulation is happening on the earth? Well, we've got several things. You've got, you know, supper. You've got the judgment seat of Christ. And one of the things that's really telling on the judgment seat of Christ is the Bible says, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. In other words, you need to live godly because even though your sin, the Christian sin, is forgiven, sin affects your work. Therefore, your work will be judged. If your work doesn't make it through the judgment, it'll be tried by fire. If it doesn't make it through the judgment, it'll all burn up. All of your life's accomplishments we will see go up in smoke. You'll still be saved, but can you imagine living for all eternity, not receiving the things that God really wanted to give you, whether they're crowns or rulerships or whatever it is, all those things that he had so much wanted to give to every one of his children, you may be left out on that because your works are going to burn up. Yes, you're saved. Yes, you're in heaven. He's going to wipe away all tears. But the thing is, why have tears at all? 
Why not live for the Lord today so that when you can look toward the future, you can know that if you stood before your Savior, He would say to you, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Amen. Daniel's 70th week will see the rise of the Antichrist and the false prophet. It will be a time of disasters, death, and destruction. Would you run through those seven years for us? What are some of the major events that will happen during that time? Well, there'll be people betraying one another. There'll be false prophets. I already mentioned the earthquakes, pestilence, famines, rumors of wars. But the Bible says that the love of many will wax cold. People are going to be betraying one another. They're going to be rewarded maybe with food. Somebody's taken the mark of the beast, and they're going to find somebody like Nazi Germany with the Jews. They're going to find somebody that's hiding out. They're going to turn them in and be rewarded for that. So they're going to be running for their lives. The point is, the only way, and this is crucial, the only way that a person takes the mark of the beast is if they are deceived. If somebody turns and calls upon the name of the Lord and God protects them from deception, they will never take the mark of the beast and they are protected by God. It's not going to be all up to the individual. Salvation is going to be of the Lord. So here's the scenario again. A person in Acts 2 talks about it. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's Peter preaching in Acts chapter 2, verse 21. Whosoever shall call upon the name of shall be saved. Joel 2 shall be delivered. And what's going to happen is, at that time, I believe that God is going to protect them from supernatural deception. He says, if it be possible, he would deceive the very elect, indicating it may be impossible. So those that are saved will be protected from deception. Revelation 19 says all those that were deceived took the mark of the beast. Salvation is going to be all of God in the future. So what's going to be happening is those that did not take the mark of the beast, the Bible says that they endure to the end, meaning their flesh is going to be saved. And he's going to send his angels right before he comes back. They're going to gather the elect. They're going to protect them physically. And then these are the ones that are going to repopulate the earth in the millennium. They'll have natural children born there, etc. Well, you mentioned the mark of the beast. The past couple of years, there has been a lot of discussion about the mark of the beast, with many people actually believing that the COVID vaccine is the mark of the beast. Now, The COVID vaccine is not the mark of the beast, but I believe it's setting the stage for that type of control. Just what exactly is the mark of the beast? I have people that would call me and they would say, I I can't take this vaccine because it's the mark of the beast. And I just tell them, well, first of all, it's not. You have to willingly take the mark and worship the beast in order to be condemned. There is no real beast to worship, you know, I mean, some would say, yeah, we got one. He's just not the beast of of the tribulation. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's out there. And I get that. But the point is, the Bible says that this mark is going to be in their right hand, on their forehead. So it's going to be in and on, likely more like a computer chip. So yes, things are being set up. The world's being set up to where they're going to be deceived because they're going to say, listen, we're not going to be able to buy or sell. I mean, if you look at what the government here in this country is doing with destroying the food supplies, things are being set up to where people are going to be looking for food and begging for food and dying for lack of food. And this mark is going to be the only way they can buy or sell, and they're going to sell their soul in order to take that mark, but it's going to be in the right hand and on it. 
and upon the forehead. That's what the Bible says. More like a chip that can be read than a shot that you take in the arm. And by the way, they're taking the shot in the arm, not in the hand, not in the forehead. Well, at the end of the seven years known as the tribulation or the time of Jacob's trouble or Daniel's 70th week, the Antichrist will then stage his armies at Armageddon. What will happen then? In Revelation chapter 19 is where it talks about that. And the Bible says in Revelation 19.11, it says, Heaven's open. So heaven's open twice. Once in Revelation 4, when John's caught up, seeing a picture of the rapture of the church. So you see the church before Revelation 4, and then you see him after Revelation 19. In between, the church is not in Revelation. Why? Because the church is in heaven, and this is Israel. So in Revelation 19, heaven's open. A white horse appears. The one that's on the white horse is going to make war and judge the earth. His eyes are as a flame of fire, and his head are many crowns. Name written, which is the word of God. He has a vesture dipped in blood. The armies which are in heaven follow him. He has a sharp sword. He's going to smite the nations, the winepress, the fiercest, the wrath of God Almighty, and his king of kings and lord of lords. That's what's written on his vesture. That's what's going to happen at the end of the seven years. And thank the Lord, Israel's going to you know, have the angels come down, the elect, and they're going to gather the elect for protection before that happens. That's all those that have trust in the Lord at that time. And then he's going to destroy everybody else. They're going to be taken in death, and all those other ones are going to be protected. What exactly is the day of the Lord? When does the day of the Lord begin? And what is the difference between the day of Christ and the day of the Lord? Well, that's a great question. I think it's one of the most important things that's been missed. The Bible says in Revelation 6, I think it is, that the moon will be turned into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord. I think that's the sixth seal that that happens at. Well, if the moon's going to be turned into blood at the sixth seal, first of all, we shouldn't be looking for blood moons because there aren't any. If the moon turns to pink right now, it's not a blood moon. The moon's going to actually be turned to blood. Those things are going to happen before the great notable day of the Lord. Even Elijah's going to show up. The two witnesses are going to show up before the great and terrible day of the Lord. Well, now, wait a minute. They don't show up until within the seven years. Therefore, the day of the Lord cannot be until after the moon is turned the blood, after Elijah and Moses show up. Therefore, the day of the Lord is actually whenever God inserts himself back into the affairs of man. That's the second coming. When Jesus Christ comes back, it's the second coming, which is the day of the Lord. Now, the day of Christ is the rapture of the church. That's why there's a falling away first, and that day, the day of Christ happens at that time. The day of Christ is the rapture of the church, and it goes on in heaven with the church. Day of Christ, day of the Lord Jesus Christ, but it's not the day of the Lord. That's the distinction that has to be made. If you don't make the distinction between the day of Christ and the day of the Lord, then it becomes confusing. If you understand Philippians 1.6, Philippians 1.10, Philippians 2.16, and so on, about the day of Christ, then you'll understand that there are two separate, distinct days. Day of Christ deals with the church. Day of the Lord deals with the second coming. You mentioned the two witnesses, Elijah and Moses. Some people teach that those two witnesses are Elijah and Enoch. Why do you believe Moses is the uh, second witness? Well, because he's going to turn the water into blood, and you look at the miracles, and Enoch is a picture of the rapture of the church. 
Some say, well, it's appointed unto men once to die. Enoch never died, so now he has to die. Well, that's crazy. What happens to those that are raptured? It's appointed unto men once to die, but if you go in the rapture, you'll never die. So it's a rule that can be broken by God. It's appointed unto men once to die. What about Lazarus? He may have died twice. Mm -hmm. Anybody else raised from the dead and still may have died a second time. So when you're looking at Enoch, Enoch is the perfect picture of the rapture of the church. The rapture of the church will never die if we're alive, and therefore he is that picture, and he shows up right before the worldwide flood, and Noah, Noah is a picture of what's going to happen in the tribulation, as in the days of Noah, days of Lot. Enoch is before those days. Perfect picture of the rapture. Pastor Doug, things are getting worse each day. Our country is in a mess. Do you think there is any hope of revival before the rapture? I think there is definitely hope. I think the problem that we have is that people are being so delusioned. There's so much, let's gather together and have a hip time. You know, let's party or let's, you know, make the church look more like the world so that we can get the world in here. I tell people all the time, listen, our church is like church used to be. That's what we want to do. And I'm not saying I'm right, everybody else is wrong. What I'm saying is we need to be distinct so that when things start and continue to fall apart, people know, wait a minute, there's something different about that group down there. What do they have? We got Jesus. And it's not that nobody else does. It's that we need to show ourselves in such a way that when they see that shining light, they are drawn to us, and we have the answers that we already know we have. We have to be able to give it to them. I tell my church all the time, during this COVID thing, they said two weeks, flatten the curve. Well, they lied to us. All of that was really somewhat of a deception. I told my church, I said, we shut down on a Wednesday, Sunday, Wednesday, and opened back up on the following Sunday, and we went live online. Of course, it forced us to go live, and we've been live ever since online. But I told my church, we will never close our doors again. I will go to jail before the government ever convinces me to shut down. You don't have to come. It'll be up between you and God whether you show up. We're not shutting down. I don't care about some monkey pox or anything else that they throw at us. We're going to stay open. We're going to be that light. So can revival happen? I know for sure it can happen in pockets, whether it could be anything citywide, statewide, nationwide. I don't know. I know this. I just read an email from a friend of mine in the Philippines. Man, they're in revival mode all the time. They go into the police departments and preach. They go to the markets and preach, and they give out tracts left and right. And this is a Muslim enclave. I've been there, Mindanao, Philippines, an amazing place, amazing work getting done. We need America to be more like the Philippines. What will it take? Hey, it's going to take some tough times, really, to get people's focus on Jesus again. Pastor Doug, I really, really appreciate your ministry, and I hope that you'll come back soon for another visit. Thank you, gentlemen. Get Doug Stoffer's complete two-day presentation on the rapture when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. In the last days... The four-DVD series by Doug Stoffer offers all you need to defend the pre-tribulation rapture with irrefutable scriptural proofs. Over seven hours of Doug's most recent live conference presentations, along with his newest television interviews. Order Doug Stoffer's DVD series, In the Last Days, when you call 1-800-652-1144. 
or order online, swrc.com. Ministry President Dr. Kenneth Hill is here now, ready to answer the question, is God the God of the Jews only? Christ Jesus has made the way perfect for you if you have never placed your faith in Christ Jesus for salvation. Today is the day you should do so. We have an opportunity to spend a few minutes together and to look into God's good and perfect word. Romans chapter 3 Go to verse 10. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Boy, that makes you feel bad, doesn't it? Well, he goes on to say, and this is Paul writing, there is none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. They're all gone out of the way. They're all together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. You got a question about it? It says it right there. There's none that doeth good. No, not even one. There's no fear of God before their eyes, verse 18. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. Verse 21 of Romans chapter 3, But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith, of Jesus Christ unto all, and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is no difference between you and other lost people. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us are in need of a Savior. That includes myself, it includes you too, includes Dr. Spargimino, includes everyone that appears on the Watchman on the Wall broadcast. We all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all must confess our sin before God and trust in His grace for salvation. Indeed, we must. Being justified freely by his grace, that's through Christ's grace, through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ, or in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood, to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past, through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say, at this time, his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. So where's the boasting then? It's excluded. This is verse 27. By what law? 
of works? Nay, but of the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Is he the God of the Jews only? (laughs) He is not also of the Jews, but also of the Gentiles, it says here in verse 29. Yes, of the Gentiles also, seeing it is one God which shall justify the circumcision, that is, the Jews, by faith, and uncircumcision, that is, the Gentiles, through faith. Do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid. Yea, we establish the law. Is God Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, the justifier of the unjust, the one who has provided for forgiveness of sins, is this God God only for the Jews and not for the Gentiles? No. You see, Almighty God is God also of the Gentiles as well as for the Jews. In the studies that you've been hearing on the Watchman on the Wall broadcast, Larry Stamm has been presenting the truth that salvation is of God, the Father. He sent his only begotten Son, Christ Jesus, to be our Savior. I'm a Gentile. I'm not a Jew. No amount of fixing me up would make me Jewish. I'm a Gentile, and I needed a Savior, and that Savior is Christ Jesus, the very Son of the living God, God Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, the one and the only God. So is it God who is God only to the Gentiles then? No, he's also God to the Jew as well. So is the law void because we have faith in Christ? No. We establish the law, according to the Apostle Paul, because we have faith in God. We establish that law to be true. My friend, have you given your very self to this God of God's? the one and the only living and true God? Have you asked Christ Jesus to save you from your sin? Have you come to God for cleansing? If not, why not today? Today we have Doug Stoffer's latest DVD series, In the Last Days. This four-DVD series features over seven hours of Doug's most recent live conference presentations along with his newest television interviews. He provides all that you need to defend the pre-tribulation rapture with irrefutable scriptural proofs. He systematically answers the pre-trib objections with his usual fiery style of delivery. 
Order Doug Stoffer's DVD series, In the Last Days, when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or order online, swrc.com. Tomorrow, we open the radio vault and begin an in-depth look at the books of 1st and 2nd Timothy. Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station or by subscribing to our daily Watchman on the Wall podcast. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Visit swrc.com.